One of the challenges that families often face during the Christmas season is how to, or even whether to, blend in the holiday traditions with the biblical story of Christmas. Here are some thoughts from author Sally Lloyd-Jones. You know, I became a Christian when I was four, so I'm sure the first four years of my life we were, it was more Santa Claus. Father Christmas was the big person looming in your life when you're little. And I suppose the excitement of he's coming and everything like that, that's not so dissimilar to what you actually, is the truth of Christmas. It's exciting because your rescue is coming, which is much more exciting than Santa's coming with presents. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. Sally Lloyd-Jones joins us today to talk about how we keep Jesus at the center of the Christmas season. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. How's your English accent, Bob? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> you have a great you have a great impersonation of Jerry Falwell. Yeah, but can I hear your your Sally Lloyd Jones? Oh, I'm not that clever. <laughs> no, mine would be Look at her, a prisoner of the gutters, condemned by every syllable she utters. By right she ought be taken out and hung for the cold blooded murder of the English tongue. That's brilliant. Thank you. I know that one. Do you? I watched that, that over and over and over. That's Henry Higgins. Don't <laughs> you know yes. Henry Higgins? Of course. I was just testing. This If you could have anybody come to your house and tell the Christmas story to your kids at Christmas time, who would you? Wouldn't you want Sally Lloyd Jones coming and telling the Christmas story to your kids? I think a wonderful story. I'd love to hear just uh, to hear George. You know, tell the Christmas oh, story. Oh, <laughs> George, George Bailey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> help me, Clarence. Help me. Get me out of He's here. He's very good, get isn't me, he? Get me back yeah. to my wife and kids. You love films, I, I guess. do. I do. Yeah. It is Christmas yeah, time, and this happens to Bob every uh, eleven months. So just put up with it, if you would. I just introduced uh, very casually there, Sally Lloyd Jones, who joins us again on Family Life today. She was born and raised in Africa, schooled in England lives in New York City, and she is the New York Times author of a best-selling book. And one of them that she has written is called The Jesus Storybook Bible. I think everybody listening to Family Life today has The Jesus Storybook Bible. feels like, I mean, how many copies? 2.5 million. Uh, it it feels like you're right. it everybody, is everybody I run into. I have into. one, and I don't have children at home, and I have mine marked. I love it. Oh, well, the most exciting thing to me is that it's now in 34 languages. Oh, that's, oh, wow. that's cool. Mm-hmm. So What's wonderful. your favorite language out of those 34? Well, I'm really excited about Arabic. It's just being yes. translated into Arabic. And what I love to say is I wrote a book I can't read. <laughs> yeah. 33 of them. And is it in Mandarin? I think it is. That's great. That reaches yeah. a few people too. Also joining us is my wife, Barbara. And tell them about Sally's uh, book that we're also talking about this Christmas. We're talking about this book that she wrote for children for Christmas, Song of the Stars, A Christmas Story. And I just think it's a great idea to have books to read to your kids during the different seasons because we we have all these traditions that we do, but I remember when we were raising our kids, there were certain books that we read every season that were favorites, and I think this one will become a favorite of many families to read year after year with your children. We had in our library at home, it was called The Holiday Storybook, and there were stories for every holiday of the year. So you would mm-hmm. open it and you'd read one for Valentine's Day or whatever. I never read any of them except the Christmas one, and I remember it was a story of a 
car in an old car lot that was sitting there and nobody wanted to buy this old car and it was a clunker and barely ran. And apparently, as I remember it, Santa's sleigh uh, malfunctioned right over the car lot and he had to hook up the reindeer to the car. And all of a sudden, this old clunker of a car became Santa's sleigh for the holidays. And Sounds like a Pixar movie, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a great story. But I loved it. Was there was something about reading it in December that was kind of one of my Christmas rituals mm. to get me well, ready for the holidays. It had a bit of a redemption story to it. That's why yeah. it rang true. And there is something about story at Christmas time mm-hmm. and the opportunity for parents to engage with their children around the Christmas story that is meaningful on a whole variety of levels, isn't it? Yeah, and I love that tradition, like Barbara mm-hmm. said. We love traditions, don't we? Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, that we've got several days before Christmas to get ready for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So you've got lots of opportunities. So how will you spend Christmas in New York City? Well, the thing is, I end up in England, really. <laughs> so I never have been in New York on oh, Christmas never. Day. Oh, really? New York City is delightful that time of year. Yes. I mean, Barbara and I have been there. There is definitely a nip in the air, and just yeah. that city is oh, it's magical. Is it is dressed magical. up. It is really dressed up. And again, up. talk about traditions. You've got the Nutcracker that you can go to every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the Messiah. Yeah. All these lovely things. And in England, well, I end up in England, as I said, but one of the traditions that's one of my favorites is King's College Choir carols on oh, that would Christmas be wonderful. Eve. Oh, that wonderful. And it's yeah. broadcast on the radio, and it, apparently it's been broadcast since, like, I think the war. Or even before. Mm. And one of the stories I love is that it's a boy choir, male voice choir. So they've got little boys who might be six, seven. And the whole um, broadcast begins with Once in Royal David City. But the first verse is sung solo by one of the youngest boys. But so they don't get completely freaked out, the choir master chooses three boys and trains them. Mm. And just like... Maybe seconds before the broadcast begins, he taps the boy that he's chosen on the head and he sings it. And he has no chance to get nervous. <laughs> oh, are you kidding it's me? All so three be- of them get nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's so beautiful. That voice, the pure voice of a young boy singing once in Royal David City, in that acoustics, to me, that's one of the high points of Christmas. So what wow. do you do in England for Christmas? Tell us how well, you we, celebrate You it. know, we do have the edge on everyone because we know how to do Christmas. Oh, oh and what is that? Yes, I want to know. Because we have, you know, Christmas pudding. Figgy pudding, as Dickens would call it. Yes. Hold which, it, hold it. What's that made of? Christmas well, pudding. It, it sounds horrid, but it's delicious. So I'm going to describe it, but you have to realize it's delicious. Okay. So it's got currants, <laughs> raisins. See oh, your faces. Yeah. See, so already, far, no, so far so good. That's I love right. currants okay. and raisins. Yep. It's got some liquor in it, but it gets burnt away. <laughs> this is why the English like it. <laughs> and you have it with um, brandy butter. Oh, yes, there's a lot of liquor. You've got brandy in it. Is this allowed on your This program? is what you have to do with <laughs> your food in England. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Yes. Sally, we've been to England and your food. But you then, got across the you well, got across the, uh, the, the English Channel. Yeah, I know. Food. But then we also wear hats at Christmas, crowns, little paper crowns that come out of Christmas crackers. Now you're really lost, aren't you? <laughs> Christmas crackers. I don't even know how to describe them. You, you pull them and they bang, and inside is a hat and a present. And then we drop everything at three o'clock and we go and listen to the Queen's speech. On so Christmas Day? On Christmas Day. So wherever you are with your Christmas meal, you stop everything, go and watch the Queen give a speech. And she's, she gives this incredible speech. And, you know, you, you have to really be reverent. And sometimes the grandchildren are doing terribly naughty things and my mother gives them a look. <laughs> and we all have to stand up when the 
anthem happens, but this has happened forever, <laughs> forever, huh? forever and ever. So what does she is, speak on? That's I mean, what I want. She's long? amazing, actually. I mean, I'm a huge fan. If you think about how faithful she's been for oh, how yeah. long, and mm-hmm. her whole idea about duty versus, you know. Of course, I'm a big fan of The Crown. Did you watch The Crown? Oh, yes, we oh, did. Sorry, I'm going wonderful. all over the place. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. That was okay. very good. We I, thought it was I'm great. mad on it because you really believe Claire Foy is you're, the queen. You're mad uh-huh. about it? Mad in a British way is crazy. <laughs> I, know. crazy. I, I know what you said. Here's my question They're very for you. naughty, these people. <laughs> I, I want to know if, if we could invite you over to everybody's house to tell a Christmas story to our kids and our grandkids. Would you just pull out your book and read it to them? Or how would you engage a child in the story, mm. the biblical story of Christmas, if you were sitting down with them? Well, I like sometimes to say, when does Christmas begin? And get them to sort of... It's always good to ask them a question because what you want to do is get them... As they say, you're tuning your audience. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll resort to pantomime effects. So you'll say, um, ask them a question and they'll answer and you say, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Could you say it louder? Until they're shouting. <laughs> and then you, if you've got parents there as well, you set up the parents against the children. And that way you've got your whole, you've got them where you want them. And then I would say to them, so when do, when do you think Christmas begins? And they'll tell you oh, when the star goes in the sky, when Jesus is born, when whatever they're going to say. And hopefully they won't, none of them will say, actually, it begins even before there were stars in the sky. It begins even before there was anything. Before anything was there, God had a dream in his heart and Christmas began in that dream. And start there because it's not expected. Mm -hmm. And I always think the most important thing is to set up the longing and expectation Mm -hmm. so that when Christmas Day comes, we don't Mm -hmm. just go, oh, it's any old day. We we get the sense that God's people were waiting for thousands of years for this and that this was a promise fulfilled. And it's not just a sweet story. It's the most incredible thing about God breaking into history. When you think about communicating biblical truth to kids, you want to make sure that the story is in a very broad context, not just yes. an isolated story. Why is that? I find that's how my heart gets got. If I see it in the big scope, if I see that none of this is just happenstance, it's all a plan and that it started with God's... Just the idea that God was planning to bless us before he made us mm-hmm. and he knew it would all go wrong, but he still He still made us. Mm-hmm. That That's what melts my heart. When I, I think that's... That's the truth in the Bible, isn't it? If you just take one story at a time, they're wonderful, but it's when you see them in the context of the big story and you see that it's a love story, that's when your heart gets changed. When you were a little girl, do you remember the time when Christmas, the story of Christmas, grabbed your heart and captured your imagination? I don't know if I remember exactly that. I knew I loved Christmas and I loved the fact that I knew Jesus was my best friend always, now, you, ever since I was four. You didn't celebrate Christmas in England at that point. You went back to— We were in Africa. Africa. So we were having—I don't know if we were still doing hats and eating Christmas pudding and all that <laughs> stuff. We probably went to the beach. I think that's what we did on Christmas Day. So what country? Uganda. First of all, Kampala, and then we moved to Nairobi in Kenya. Hmm. So Christmas for me was amidst— wild animals and jungles and that kind of savannas and stuff. In a tropical climate, yes. not where there's snow falling. No, and I do remember, actually, the first thing I do remember when I came to England was the first time I saw snow, and I thought it was ice cream <laughs> coming down. So, <laughs> and you were how old? I was probably like six. 
Oh, amazing. So did the biblical story of Christmas compete in your heart with the traditions of Christmas, with St. Nicholas, with Santa Claus, with all of that? Yes. I mean, Father Christmas was the big person looming in your life when you're little. And I, you know, I became a Christian when I was four. So I'm sure the first four years of my life we were, it was more Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. But there's something... I know there's big debates about whether you should have Santa Claus. I didn't find it harmful at all. I never thought anything other than it was... I mean, I remember being devastated when I found out he wasn't real. Mm. But I soon got over it. So you you were able to separate that that was fantasy. Yeah. And that the biblical story was history. Yes. Yes, I didn't find that confusing. Why do you think that was clear to you? Because I suppose I'd met Jesus and I knew he was my best friend. Mm. I wouldn't want it any other way. There was something lovely about it and, my, you know, the whole excitement. And I suppose the excitement of he's coming and everything like that, that's not so dissimilar to what you actually is the truth of Christmas. It's exciting because your rescue is coming, which is much more exciting than Santa's coming with presents. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back. Yes. Not yes. just his first advent. Exactly. But because the first Christmas occurred, we can look yes. forward to his second advent. And that is deep in us, isn't it? That longing for him to come. It really is. Tell us how this book, uh, Song of the Stars, A Christmas Story, how it captures Christmas to young people. Well, it's interesting because that one came, you know, because I was in, as I was saying, I was in Africa as a little one. You know, my Christmas was in wilds of Africa and there were no, there was no snow on the rooftops, but Christmas was coming and I was thinking... We, we know the story of Bethlehem and how it's so busy and no one noticed Jesus and Mary and Joseph. But I was thinking about the animals and back to my childhood in Africa and I was thinking, well, what if the animals knew and the stars knew and all the... Because they don't have an argument with their maker. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones who have an argument with our maker. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're That's suffering, exactly right. aren't they? They're right. suffering because of because our of sins us. and the fall. But why wouldn't they have known? And so I thought, well, what if... And again, going back to that longing of he's coming, I thought, what if that night people didn't know because they were too busy? But what if the animals did? And that's where this book came from. And there's a refrain, it's time, it's time. Mm-hmm. At last, he's I coming. Barbara, did you have a hard mm-hmm. time when your kids were little with the competition between the cultural trappings of Christmas and the spiritual message of Christmas? know that we had a hard time as much as we just did. We were very intentional about teaching what Christmas was about. We wanted our kids to understand that it was about Jesus and it was about his birth. So we made putting the manger scene up sort of the focal point, but we didn't dismiss Santa and stockings and things Mm -hmm. because it was fun to pretend and do make-believe. And so we did all of that, but it was secondary to the real reason for Christmas so that when our kids found out, I don't think they were devastated. What was central was the truth. Right. And I remember being disappointed when I was a child and finding out that Santa wasn't real. But I don't think our kids were disappointed. I think they always knew that this story about Jesus was what it was really about. And this was just play, and this was fun, this was pretend— And we all enjoyed it, but that wasn't the real message. My recollection of Christmas was sprinting to the end and and putting together— You mean uh, as parents? Yeah. You're talking about— As parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just remember all getting everything ready, the swing set that I was putting up in the dark— on Christmas Eve. You can't get it out and start putting it up till the kids are in bed. You can't. You can't. And if I had it to do all over again, I think I'd taken a deep breath 
And I think I would have just been more in the moment and not been so frantic about trying to turn the entire Christmas day, especially Christmas morning, into this life-altering seismic experience <laughs> a production for, for, our, for yeah. our kids and put a little more effort into enjoying them in the process and celebrating as as Sally is talking about, the real reason for Christmas and celebrating his coming. A lot of parents will get out their Bible and turn to Luke 2, and they'll read the familiar account of the shepherds Mm -hmm. and maybe go to Matthew and read about the wise men. And they will wonder, having read that to their kids, did any of that sink Mm -hmm. in? Mm -hmm. Did I just read something that their eyes glazed over? If they want this story to really come alive for their kids, and they're not Sally Lloyd-Jones, what do they do? Well, they know their children best, so I'm just covering all my bases and saying, as a storyteller, what I would do is include all of the days leading up to Christmas. Don't rely on just Christmas, because one of the things I think is fun to do is set up a nativity, but don't have Jesus in the nativity, and don't have the shepherds, and don't have the wise men, and start introducing them. So, you know, you could talk about there were some shepherds and they're looking after their sheep. Where shall they be in the house? And put them somewhere in the house. Same with the wise men. The fun thing about the wise men is you can have them coming closer and closer to the nativity every day you move them (laughs) until they arrive at the nativity on the, you know. On Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, I think it's making it interactive and certainly not making it a lesson. I think that's my, I would say that. Don't make it into a lesson. Mm. Enjoy the story because the story is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of resources. You don't have to, I mean, obviously reading the biblical account is wonderful. And then read other, other ways to look at it so that you come at it from different angles. And there's all kinds of... Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Your book, Song of the Stars, fits in with what Barbara has created for this Christmas the names of Christ, adornments in in stars, his eternal names. Well, my dream has been to create something that would help families teach their children who Jesus is because Mm -hmm. Christmas is about Jesus. And so I've created this set of of ornaments that each one is a different name of Jesus. And this year it is stars. And and I've written a piece about following the star. That's what the wise men did. And I think you know, to hitchhike off what we were just saying a second ago, you said a few minutes ago that asking questions is the way to prime your audience. And I think for parents, whether you're hanging the ornaments on the tree about Jesus and his names, or whether you're reading the book, the more you can engage with your kids and ask them questions, Mm -hmm. why do you think it's important that we know that Jesus is the bright morning star? Mm -hmm. What do you think the wise men were thinking when they traveled? How long did it take them to get here? Make it be something that engages their imagination and their thinking. They're much more likely to not just remember the story, but want to hear it again because it was intriguing. I'd just say, if you'll sit quiet and listen, we'll have figgy pudding when it's over. And they'll run a mile. (laughs) The other thing I I, I think... Forget the figgy pudding. Let's have some of this British pudding. That's that's it. I thought it was Christmas pudding. Are you not paying attention, Dennis? (laughs) I thought you said Christmas pudding. Well, no. She did did say Christmas pudding. They're both one and the same. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't catch Dickens that. Dickens had figgy pudding. Aren't you used also, to? I now didn't bring even... us our figgy yes, pudding. Exactly. Now bring us our figgy pudding. I, I didn't equate that with Christmas yeah, pudding that she described is. that had all the I'm liquor I'm sorry in. about this figgy pudding. It's really <laughs> bringing the show down. But I was, was going to uh, mention another great idea, I think, that I've seen people do is, like with Song of the Stars, for instance, I'll give that as an example. I do the same thing. I talk about, you know, the sheep knew, the lambs knew, and the great shepherd so you could take one day the great shepherd and then 
put some beautiful Christmas music on and have your children draw sheep Mm -hmm. or just spend some time together focusing on sheep. Then another day you could talk about the lion knew he was coming. It's time, it's time, the lion of Judah. So then you could draw lions and Mm -hmm. put on more music. So I think the more you can engage the different senses and have them creating their own art, and those those could become advents, Mm -hmm. advent calendars, Mm -hmm. they could become ornaments. Mm -hmm. Trust me, those are things that 20 years from now, you'll pull out of a file and just delight over. Absolutely. In fact, fact, the kids will be fighting over it. Well, just recently, when when our kids were young, our son David had a little bit of a flair for art. And so when he was 10, he did our Christmas card. It was his drawing of the nativity that we sent out as our family Christmas card that year, same as when he was 11. Well, David's married now, and his wife just saw the Christmas cards, and she said, I want those. You know, and we're going, no, those belong to mom and dad. You've got to get them to draw you some new ones. But it is that kind yeah. of a delightful recollection of what Christmas was about as a child that you'll look forward to years from now. Yeah. Well, regardless, this Christmas, enjoy the moment. Yes. Celebrate the Savior, and don't miss the reason for the season. And Sally is not able to come to your home, but... Her books are, and of course, we've got her books in our Family Life Today Resource Center, The Christmas Story, Song of the Stars, uh, her book Found, which is the 23rd Psalm for children, and then, of course, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Find out more about what's available to read to your children when you go to familylifetoday.com. And while you're there, look at the resources Barbara has been developing for families at Christmas as well, including her new set of Christmas tree ornaments that talk about the eternal names of Jesus. Again, it's all available online at familylifetoday.com or call if you have any questions or if you'd like to order by phone, 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. You know, as we're now a few weeks away from the end of 2017, we've started to look back at how God has been at work through the ministry of family life today in the last 12 months. Dennis wrote a book called Choosing a Life That Matters that was released earlier this year. We've seen more people uh, attending weekend to remember marriage getaways. We've added new cities, and the average attendance is up at our events. There's more hunger than ever for practical biblical help and hope for marriage and family. We've seen more people coming to FamilyLifeToday.com, our website, getting easier access to articles and audio and video. They're getting the help they need when they access our content. And of course, our listeners, we're hearing from new folks every week who are listening to Family Life Today and telling us how God is using this ministry in profound ways in their marriage and in their family. We're grateful for all that God is doing through this ministry and all of it has been enabled by a relatively small number of listeners. Those of you who believe in the mission of this ministry and who want to see it expanded, want to see more people in your community and around the world helped. We're grateful for the partnership that we have with listeners like you who help support the ministry of Family Life. And of course, right now, as we're approaching the end of 2017, this is a particularly good time to think about making a donation And our friend Michelle Hill is here to explain why. Hello, Michelle. 
Hey, Bob. Yes, it is a good time to donate, which is what John from Los Altos, California did. John called and took advantage of the matching fund, and his donation was matched dollar for dollar. The reason it's a good time, Bob, is that the matching is going to continue during December, up to a total of $2 million. So a big thanks to the folks like John and Diane and Leona and almost 1,300 other folks who've called and given over $265,000 so far. We really appreciate you. And it is easy to join us. You can do that online at familylifetoday.com. You can call to donate, 1-800-FL-TODAY. Or you can mail your donation to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas, and the zip code is 72223. Thank you for the update, Michelle, and uh, we'll see you back tomorrow. Thanks, Bob. See you tomorrow. And we hope you'll join us back tomorrow as well. Sally Lloyd-Jones will be with us again, and we're going to continue to talk about how moms and dads can connect with their kids around biblical truth. I hope you can be with us for that conversation. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.